This podcast is brought to you by Trend. Trend is a micro-influencer marketing platform that helps connect brands with influencers. Learn more, join our network, or start an influencer campaign at trend.io. Hey everyone, I'm Jay, head of growth at Trend, joined again by Ramon, CEO of Trend, and we are here on the Trend to discuss Casper's IPO today. So or the not-so-happening IPO. The not-so-happening IPO. So they haven't officially done their IPO yet. It hasn't like launched officially, but we decided this would be a really good time to dive into this topic, talk a little bit about what's going on there and how they've really built their whole brand on influencers. So perfect thing for talking about influencer marketing, right? Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's Friday, so it's our third episode, right? Yeah, third episode. Um, and yeah, I mean, Casper really has done a great job at leveraging influencers to disrupt such a an industry. Uh, happy to dive in. It's been a great day. Sunny outside finally after so many rainy days. I'm wearing my trend swag here. I know I should have put my hat on too. <laughs> <laughs> um, production zoom in. <laughs> not yet, not yet, but soon enough, we'll have our own production team. Yeah, so what do you have to uh, dive in on? I mean, I don't, I'm don't. i not sure if you're aware that Casper uh, actually got turned down for going public. Uh, Goldman Sachs prepared their filings, and um, apparently they're just not suited for going public. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty crazy. Um, you know, I know there was... A lot of people talking about Casper doing their IPO. I think one of the really interesting things is their brand was so built on influencers. Obviously, we are talking about influencer marketing. They did a lot of effort into getting people to promote their product, and it did really work. I mean, they were before they were thinking about like doing this whole thing. I mean, I've heard valuations at $1 billion, which is pretty insane. You know, I think that, first of all, I mean, Casper really uh, was the first company ever to put under S1 filing that one of the risks investors had to know about was influencers. So pretty much that the brand is in the mercy of influencers' hands just because they use so many influencers throughout the journey that it could heavily impact the company's valuation down the line in parallel to the behavior of the influencers. It's pretty wild, right? Like something like that never was put in an S1 filing. I mean, the only people that could pretty much fuck up the company would be the the founders or the team internally. It was never in the mercy of whoever really was the purpose uh, sorry, the reason behind the success. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and we have seen it in a couple of cases where social media has been mentioned in an S1 filing. Uh, Peloton talked about social media a little bit in their filing. Um, I know Madewell also mentioned uh, influencer marketing and kind of said it's very experimental. I think that's a quote directly from their filing. Uh, it talked kind of about how you can't really trust that because obviously if people stop talking about it, then you lose out on that earned media. Did Peloton mention one of the risks was uh, TV commercials? <laughs> they should have. Did they you should've. see that? Did you watch that commercial? Yeah, I have seen the Peloton commercial. The woman I saw it really for the first time. Honestly, nothing looked wrong for me. Like 
it just looked completely fine. Like, it's crazy. People will find anything. Like, once you become so big like that of a company, like, you're on the limelight, perfect to being shot on, pretty much. I, I didn't see anything um, against it. And people forget, like, you know, Peloton isn't judged for that. I mean, if anything, it got them more PR than any other way of marketing would have gotten them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I always say in the age of digital, the internet always wins. And that was a perfect example of the internet winning over there. But like many people say, I mean, any news is good news. It brought a lot of attention to Peloton. And I think that's a really good thing for them as well. This Casper thing is really is really crazy. Uh, we've seen it in a couple of cases where, you know, some sort of startup company that's generating a lot of buzz, generating a lot of revenue, but they're still operating at a net loss. Mm -hmm. uh, and we have seen a couple of company, a few companies launch that way. Uber and Lyft are probably the biggest ones that people think of in terms of going public. Um, but yeah, it's been pretty insane that they were even thinking about this with a net loss. Yeah. I mean, first of all, before I dive in, I mean, anyone that starts the conversation about Casper, we can already assume that it's like, okay, let me go in here and talk all this shit about how this company just loses money. That is a known fact by now. So before diving into this, I'd like to, you know, hats off to the founders of like, first of all, being able to create so many jobs taking on a company is something that is extremely challenging, but uh, to take it to such a success in, uh, you know, the, the mattress industry or, or the sleep industry, whatever it is that they're calling it now. Uh, so, so yeah, hats off to them. I mean, to getting to, to that level, what was the valuation at? Uh, 1.1 billion, I think That's it was wild. around there. Um, aren't they selling lamps and stuff now or something like that? I think so. <laughs> Trying to expand. I know I've seen yeah. some of their pillows in like Target before and things like that. Uh, but you do bring up a really good point. I think it is crazy. They've kind of created their own mini like industry. I think most people would agree that the mattress industry has been pretty stagnant for the most part before Casper kind of came along and really shook things up. And we've seen a lot of other, they're not tech companies, but they kind of look like tech companies in the way that they operate and very startup based and things like that. And we have seen a lot of mattress startups that have resulted from Casper. I think, uh, you know, I was looking at this Wall Street Journal article the other day and I saw they did a little graph of mattress companies that have come out since Casper. And there was like 10 or 12 on that list that are really doing that same direct-to-consumer model. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's there's a lot of other ones. I think Purple is the other one I can think of. Obviously, Casper has just built a brand that none of these other companies have built. I really don't agree with the technology side of Casper being a tech company. That was their claim on the S1, that they're a technology company too. And Wall Street pretty much was like, we've had enough. Like, this is not a tech company and I think you know obviously like the Wall Street thing it's kind of like was was pretty much the the foot in the door that said like okay we're we're not just going to let these companies go public like that we're going to dive in but yeah I mean the amount of money they lose per mattress they sell it's bizarre to me do you know how much money Casper raised like from the private market uh I do not know the exact amount but we can check it out I'll pull it up um what is crazy I know you mentioned purple um, so they actually are public 
uh, out there as well. And what's interesting is they're well, actually they're not a public a pro- company. They have a listing under a shell corporation. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, interesting. So they have a listing, um, and they're actually producing a profit, which is pretty crazy. Wow, three hundred thirty-nine million Casper has raised. That's a lot of money. <laughs> That's a lot of investors probably looking for their money back at some point. <laughs> Series D with a hundred million, uh, purple. Was so so was purple bought by that shell company? Um, I could I don't know if they were bought by a shell company, but I know the they do have some sort of listing that is uh public. Um, so they merged with the shell company for a one point one billion dollar deal, according to a TechCrunch here. So. Yeah, I mean, I actually have an article here from this guy that I found online. His name is Scott Galloway at Prof Galloway. Uh, and he titles this this article, Cast Perhaps. Uh, so pretty much after the news that uh, it's not happening of going public. Uh, but they, they created the filing uh, and he pretty much compares the mattress or sleep industry here with Casper, William Sonoma, Restoration Hardware, Purple, Temper Sealy, Sleep Number, Away, and Warby Parker. So all these direct-to-consumer companies. Um, and, you know, pretty much it says that Purple does not have nearly the voice of a brand that Casper has, but that Away and Warby Parker have more of a voice than uh, Casper has let me see here the value for the dollar from casper is way higher uh than most other companies then it's almost up there with purple uh differentiated product nothing at all so purple and casper and all these brands i mean it's pretty much like not really a a differentiated product it's i think it's a pure brand positioning play yeah and that's pretty risky uh in the sense of you know, if your brand starts failing or your brand image kind of just loses out of the public eye, then you're really losing a lot of your business as a result. For um, sure. I think, I mean, on the bright side, though, all they needed was not not necessarily Casper, but any direct-to-consumer brand out there means that if you create a brand with a like a solid brand with a voice, uh, that has a differentiated product, the odds of success are so higher, so much higher than just saying, we're just going to do this product, but put a better brand behind it. Like if all these people did was say, let's just do this product, package it differently and just do a really solid brand and got to a billion dollars. I mean, having a differentiated product and, and building a brand like that, if I were to ever dive into direct to consumer, uh, and build my own brand, I would 1000% go uh, for a differentiated product. I mean, there's a lot of industries out there that are just so outdated. And pretty much that's the model right now. Like native deodorant, pretty much like, you know, deodorant companies were run by Old Spice and Gillette and Johnson and Johnson and these companies and ha- all these chemicals in it. So uh, nobody's looking into those. I saw recently in Twitter, uh, th- one of these guys that is like uh, hot in the direct to consumer space as a consultant, he just went in on the flashlight space. Like it's pretty much about finding those 
old industries and consumer products that still haven't been, uh, you know, tapped into with modern marketing techniques, while some of those are just extremely getting tapped out, like the the mattress industry. Yeah, it's kind of just giving them a quick little upgrade. Uh, one thing that I look at, I think is a great example as well, that's kind of similar to Casper in terms of what they've done with mattresses is Quip toothbrushes. I don't know if you've seen yeah, those as I well. Have one, yeah. Uh, yeah, I just got one recently as well. Uh, those things are a great example of someone taking a product that's been around for a really long time and has just been marketed, you know, the same way. And they've kind of got some fancy packaging on there. They've got a nice website and like well, it's well, really modern. <laughs> Do you ever remember as a kid just like going to the dentist and being hooked up with a Colgate toothpaste and a toothbrush from your dentist? Like that's influencer marketing back in the day. Quip smoked that technique. I mean, literally all Colgate and Oral-B or whatever those companies are did is they partnered with as many dentists as possible, loaded them up. Had him give it away for free because they're the influencers of the dentistry space. Yeah. Um, and it's just really interesting. Like, it really is the same technique all over again in a modernized way. Now, Colgate can't go back and do that same technique or go and do this technique that, you know, Quip has done with a new product that appeals with the design of the product that appeals to our generation like it has to i feel like design is also a big part of it that's a whole nother conversation but i feel like the design of the product has to fit like the strategy of nowadays yeah it's got to fit the audience that you're really going after and i think casper and quip have done a really good job of creating marketing that's really targeted to um these growing groups with purchase power, right? Millennials, and now it's going to be Gen Z. Those people are growing in terms of how much purchase power they have. And these companies have done a really good job in marketing straight to them and really just figuring out what they want. And for us, it's really, you know, them getting in the hands of these products in key influencers that we follow. And that kind of makes us want to purchase and buy something. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, just continuing here on this graph, it says that the operating margin for Casper is negative 26%. That's pretty crazy. I don't know how this all works out. I guess, I mean, you know, first of all, let me set the record straight. I'm not a direct-to-consumer expert. I'm not a super margins expert, uh, but... I do know simple math and that's that's pretty much all it takes for for me to understand how to margin uh how, what, what kind of margin do i need for my business to work out just some simple adding subtracting multiplying and dividing and i know what kind of margins i need um that math has never added up to me that i need to take on a loss of a 30 percent almost 30 percent on every customer I sell to. Yeah. I couldn't reverse that math into um, a profitable business. I mean, the only way is that they calculate their market cap just being so ridiculous in an angle that winner takes all, which I'm not sure, you know, then purple wouldn't be such a big, such a big business as it is if it really was a market take all. It's almost like what you talk about Uber that at this point, like, come on, what, what other growth do you really need to, to turn those margins around? Here at Trend, we know marketplaces really well. We know uh, SaaS, we know software companies really well. 
that's what we do. I'm not a DTC expert by any means, but yeah, those those numbers to me are kind of off. Didn't you say something like that about Uber recently as well? Yeah, Uber has dropped tremendously in terms of their ever since they went public, obviously their stock has really dipped. And just like you were saying, I think, you know, for a startup, it's okay for you to be operating at a net loss. That's probably going to happen. You're going to have to invest money into there to be able to produce your product. But there has to come some sort of point where, like, how long can it go on for? It can't go on forever. You can't (laughs) operate at a net loss infinitely. Well, well, here's what they do, though. (laughs) Then eventually they pull the plug on whatever strategies they have or they let go of I don't know how many people to reach profitability. Like uh, Lime. Lime scooters just let go of, I don't know, like a crazy amount of employees. And it's like, what's the strategy behind that? Well, profitability. But that doesn't necessarily mean that then you're going to be growing. So yeah, and there's no right answer, you know? Yeah, it's really tough. And for Casper, it's going to get especially tough. I mean, if not now IPO, then when is really the question since that mattress space is getting really big now. Um, you know, there have been a lot of competitors that also are, you know, those same direct-to-consumer mattress companies that have popped up over the few past few years that kind of mimic the same Casper model. And that space is becoming more competitive. That means, you know, every time you put together an ad campaign or anytime you even try and do some sort of like traditional search engine marketing or things like that, it's going to be a lot more competitive to rank in that space, which means it's going to become only harder to A, maintain your brand and B, get that profit margin that you're looking for. Well, also, I mean... It, it becomes more expensive to play and that's just a reality like to stand out it is an expensive game to play just going back to that a lime layoff laid off 14 percent of its workers and 12 removed the scooters from 12 market just trying to get to that profitability but it is expensive to play you know there was a golden rush of facebook ads where you just put 20 dollars 100 dollars behind in that sell do the same thing over and over rinse and repeat But now, you know, people say influencer marketing is really expensive. Well, it's not influencer marketing. It's the attention of the market that is really expensive. And um, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of brands, uh, you know, for example, recently, I mean, Away is probably broken down in this article as the best company in the direct to consumer space is one of the best. Uh, But, you know, in, in, in my situation, like, I don't have an Away luggage, do you? I don't have an away luggage. I, I mean, like, yeah. apparently everyone has one. I don't know if I've seen people with it. I don't think I've noticed, but I just, like, have you heard of Remowa? I have not heard no? of that one either. So Google Remowa, they are the competitors of uh, Away, and it's a really expensive, like, luggage company, and they cost, like, $1,000 or more, and... You know, I thought Away was expensive. Now Away is like the middle class. Remowa is like the, the high-end luxury class. $3,000 for these luggages. Yeah. They just raised $1.1 billion. Like, that is, that, that's, that's insane. I don't think I've ever seen anyone with these. So, to me, it's like, man, sometimes you got to real. I guess you have to know your market. Like, I, I would never do this. Be, uh, meaning, I would never... Yeah, I would never purchase this, but I would also never run a company for this type of product because I don't know where this customer is. I don't I I can't relate. I'm not the buyer. Right. Yeah. And I think that's uh, 
probably the reason for success for most of these companies is the buyer really understands the buyer because they are a buyer. Uh, you know, it's almost like what we did here at Trend. You know, I used to be a creator. I ran a company in the space before. My partners uh, had a lot of experience as well. So I'd be curious to learn from the success of uh, where, where the guys from Casper came from. I know uh, one of them was an intern for Grant, uh -huh. or, uh, one of the co-founders of Trend. One of the founders of Casper uh, was an intern for Grant. So little rant there. But anyways, this Remo thing is... Pretty insane, right? One billion dollars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not even acquired. I mean, it's basically them putting a ton of money into protecting that brand name and kind of building that brand name that you're. It's not uh, from over the here. Louis Vuitton brand. That's crazy. Yeah, L yeah. LVMH, a billion dollars. It says they joined them in uh, 2016. So, but that's just crazy. I mean, a thousand dollars, two thousand dollars, three thousand dollars for a bag is. Just ridiculous. Yeah, so here I have the numbers for Casper from this Prof Galloway article. The revenue for each mattress $1,300. The cost of the goods is $761. They spend $480 to acquire each customer. That's a lot. That's too expensive. And then $470 in general in administrative uh, brings the loss down to $349. To acquire a customer at $480, like, I, what is it? Is it marketing salaries? Maybe they're just overemployed in salaries in the marketing uh, space. And, and they say that, you know, one of the biggest deaths for direct-to-consumer brands is the overhead of the employees to which to get to a certain level and then having that overhead kind of like lagging around while you've already capped up in the market. Yeah. And they've really built their overhead even more, especially over the last few years. I know they've opened up some stores um, that they have. So you've got to pay rent for those things um, and everything like that. They even have a store actually here in Austin up in the domain. Oh yeah. I've been there. Yeah. Um, which is pretty crazy. And it's, it's a big store. They've got, like six or seven mattresses in there yeah. um, that are just sitting there. So it's pretty crazy what they're doing with all of that stuff. I mean, um, but at the same time, like, yeah, but I guess it's working, right? Well, I kind of, I guess it's working, but well, time will tell. I mean, you know, I'm here looking at their LinkedIn. They have 713 employees. Uh, if you go on LinkedIn, can you see how many of their employees are in marketing I tried looking, but I don't have the the premium version of LinkedIn. If you do have Let's it, check it or out. if you can see, yeah, I mean they pretty much break up. Uh, lastly, that uh, a really cool point that Casper, in a way, have to constantly pay to generate traffic, and Warby Parker gets over eighty percent of their traffic organically, uh, while a Casper's in a way's traffic is paid for. So it pretty much indicates that, you know, organic traffic is the way to making the brand be sustainable and everlasting. And I mean, that's even one of the things we focus at here in Trend internally. Yeah, it looks like most of their positions, I think a quarter of them are in sales and marketing. But the positions that they have open, actually, uh, more than half of them are in sales and marketing. It Gotta looks like they're probably up. looking to, <laughs> to even grow in that sense. Are you shorting or are you going long? I think I would have to short. I mean, we've seen other companies that are very 
similar. Obviously, Casper isn't, you know, they might have labeled themselves a, a tech company, but they aren't really a tech company. But, I mean, even when Uber uh, went public with their IPO and they were operating at a net loss, their stock has dipped, uh, I think, 16% last time I checked. So it's definitely a smart move to short. I think if you're okay, if you're what, going what, in that what sense, what period, what timeline? I don't know if they'll ever be profitable. Honestly, yeah. uh, I think it's going to be really tough say, for them. Would you say, take a guess here on the record live, see if you're right? Would you? Wh- how long would you say, if they were to go public, how long would you say it would take them for the stock to lose half of its value? I would say a year and a half. A year and a half? A year right. and a half to two years. I'll set a reminder right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should. I mean, I think that's going to be the case. I mean, one other issue that you have with Casper, I think, is the fact that, you know, unlike Uber, you know, I take an Uber at least once every single week, you know, if not more than that. I'm not buying a mattress every every week. And I'm not buying one every year. <laughs> well, you know, it's like the GoPro stock. Um, the GoPro stock completely dipped because they realized that people just need to buy one of those cameras. They don't need to keep buying another one. And it used to be at $60 at its peak. It's at $3. So, yeah. uh, you know, their last failure was the drone. They really thought like they would turn things around with the drone. And uh, that didn't work out. People just need one of those cameras. However, they kept releasing cameras with newer features. And then those cameras are also much more likely for them to break and for you to lose them like surfing or snowboarding. You're not going to lose your mattress overnight (laughs) while sleeping. You know, chances are that people um, are going to keep that thing for 10 years. On the other hand, people are moving into new places all the time kids are graduating from their college dorm to a new apartment so i also see it as a massive market i mean i'm sure the market looks really big but likelihood is that you know people just don't need to buy mattresses over and over maybe they should consider a subscription model <laughs> yeah right <laughs> just change your mattress every month yeah um cool well i think this was a good breakdown you know all in all like I said, just want to wrap this up with hats off and positivity, honestly, because it's easier to just look at a business from the outside, judge it and talk a bunch of shit. But it takes a lot to build a company to this size. Uh, it takes a lot to, uh, you know, manage and, and employ 700 people out there. So encourage those who just going on Twitter, talking shit about a company like first, you know, find something at least positive to say. That's just my my grain of salt in in all this uh, after just bashing the company, basically. Yeah, but. I mean, they've done a great job building their brand. So I think that's that's the one big takeaway that everyone should look at is, yeah, they might be, you know, operating at a net loss, you know, might be difficult to sell mattresses because of the shelf life uh, or like how long people swap them out. But they did it. They built up a company that at one point has gotten a $1.1 billion valuation, which is really hard to do. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you everyone for uh, listening in and uh, being part of episode three of The Trend. This is Ramon with Jay at The Trend, and I'm out. Yeah, and we'll see you next week.